0: Are you looking for a talk show featuring leading global voices? Do you want to learn more about how international issues directly affect people locally? Global Connections Television presents the insights of global influencers at no cost to viewers and programmers. GCTV is independently produced and reaches more than 70 million potential viewers worldwide each week. The show covers everything from human rights to climate change, from peace and security to empowering women and girls. It features guests such as Dr. Jane Goodall, former UN High Commissioner for Human Rights Mary Robinson, and Peter Yarrow of Peter, Paul, and Mary. The show also hosts expert voices from the private sector, academia, and labor and environmental movements. GCTV is available to public television media outlets, universities, and service clubs for distribution. To watch the show or find out more, click the link in our episode description. Hi, I'm Casey Candela. And I'm Stephanie Fillion.
1: And welcome to Unscripted.
0: Today, Ireland takes over the presidency of the Security Council, with Afghanistan still in crisis. We talk about it with Ambassador Geraldine Byrne-Nason and Irish expert and former diplomat Rory Montgomery of the Royal Irish Academy.
1: This is Unscripted, a podcast taking you inside the United Nations and beyond the scripted debates to the people at the heart of it all their diplomats, and their reporters covering them.
0: It's the moment that Ireland has been preparing for for more than 15 years. After a long campaign of social receptions, many bilateral meetings, and even a U2 concert, Ireland, on the smallest budget among its Western rival candidates, got the Security Council seat for the 2021-22 term and will preside over the body in September. It's something Ambassador Geraldine Byrne-Nason has been ready to do for a while.
2: Every day is a challenge at the Security Council, but it's also, I would say, an enormous opportunity. If there was a surprise at all, it's frankly in... The independence and the strength of a country like mine, where five million people on the global stage sitting at the table with countries that have billions of citizens and big geostrategic powers, I'm impressed by the degree to which a country like Ireland can actually make her way at the table of the
1: Security Council. And challenges on the Council are abundant these days with it having to deal with one of the biggest international and humanitarian crises in a while unfolding in Afghanistan. And many fear that the country will become a safe haven for terrorists. So the topic is certainly not leaving the council's agenda anytime soon. And
0: especially not in September. This month, the mandate of UNAMA, the United Nations Assistance Mission in Afghanistan, a political operation, is due to be renewed. With many countries now gone from Afghanistan, the UN's presence there is more important than ever, so the renewal of the annual mandate will be watched closely. Ambassador Byrne Nason is already discussing this with her council colleagues.
2: The situation in Afghanistan is very volatile, and we are watching developments day by day, hour by hour. The mandate of the UN on the ground, the UNAMA mandate, is an absolutely critical tool for the United Nations, and we will have to very carefully consider the situation on the ground in Afghanistan in relation to which parts of that mandate Can remain as the UN expression of its responsibility in Afghanistan. We are very aware that the humanitarian situation in Afghanistan, even before the current political changes and crisis, uh, was very serious. It's a very poor country, half the population below poverty line. So we will be very anxious to make sure that in the UNAMA mandate as it goes forward, that that important life-saving humanitarian work continues Because of the role of women and girls in Afghanistan, we are very concerned to make sure that the human rights mandate and the gender aspects of that are given their absolute appropriate attention. We've already heard some assurances from the Taliban and I have to say that neither professionally nor personally am I content to accept vague assurances. I think the mandate of UNAMA will have to be very clear on that issue. That's not negotiable and I'm with Michelle Bachelet when it comes to saying it's a fundamental red line issue for us. Thousands of
1: Afghans work for the United Nations in the country, but the UN hasn't treated them the same ways as international personnel. The UN has so far evacuated international personnel to Almaty, Kazakhstan, where they are working remotely, but has left behind Afghan employees. Many of these Afghans have expressed concerns about their safety and also criticized the U.N. for treating them differently from international staff. The U.N. cites visa and other procedural issues that it must deal with in evacuating Afghan personnel. So we asked Ambassador biden if the question of local staff will be addressed in the renewal of UNAMA. I think the Secretary-General has a huge
2: responsibility in relation to uh, UN staff, international and Afghan, and I had recent discussions with him where I know it's a preoccupying issue for him, and his responsibility there is a heavy one. It's not really a matter for the Security Council. When we look at the UNAMA mandate, we will look much more at the uh, actual policy parts but of course the safety of all UN staff in Afghanistan and anywhere else in the world is absolutely primordial. You have already heard us speak many times about the safety for example of UN peacekeepers. The safety of UN staffers anywhere in the world matters to us uh, so we will be supporting the Secretary General in all his efforts to keep his staff and the UN staff, our staff, safe. UN staff members are UN staff members, and we regard the UN as having an overall responsibility for all its staff.
0: One topic Ireland will surely highlight in September on Afghanistan is the situation of women and girls there. In mid-August, the ambassador gave a passionate speech in the Security Council on the matter.
2: I wish to address the women of Afghanistan directly women who have the most at stake as democratic government dissolves and an uncertain future awaits. Lest there be any doubt as to the gravity of the situation, I am speaking to the women at the airport with their children and families trying to find a way out to the women hiding in their homes, to the women sleeping in the streets, to the women still fighting for peace and human rights, though it may well now risk their lives. Women of Afghanistan, we hear you, and we hear your pleas to the international community at this dark time. The fear, indignation, and sense of betrayal you feel is understood. It is righteous. I call on this council to stand with the women of Afghanistan. Their rights and their future participation in Afghan society cannot be sacrificed. This is our shared responsibility at this table. It must be our shared priority. Also, all of us around the table can and should agree that as a non negotiable principle in all discussions, the rights of women in Afghanistan must be protected. This is the future of Afghanistan.
1: But with the Taliban now the de facto leaders of Afghanistan, it remains unknown whether they will respect the hard-won gains of the rights of women and girls in their country, like the right to go to school. On August 30th, the day the last American plane left Kabul, the Security Council passed a resolution setting the basic expectations for Afghanistan. It did mention the rights of women and girls, but Geraldine Barnason said she wished the wording would have been stronger. So, for September, we asked Ambassador Barnason how she plans to prioritize the rights of Afghan women and girls as president of the council.
2: I have to say, I've been heartened at the Security Council that we have heard all members of the Security Council speak out in favor of the protection of the human rights of women in Afghanistan in the post-government era in the period of Taliban regime. I think there's a broad commitment to that. That is not negotiable as far as we're concerned. You know this is about power and distribution of power when we come to gender and we want to ensure that half the population in Afghanistan retains its right to contribute to the peace and stability however that looks going forward in Afghanistan. So you will find us a constant and repeat offender when it comes to speaking out for the rights of women and we have as co-chair with Mexico, um, uh, a co-chair of the working group on uh, Women, Peace and Security. We have called on the president of the Security Council in the month of August to take this as a responsibility. We will take that doubly as a responsibility as we sit in the chair in September.
0: Rory Montgomery is a retired diplomat who is currently associated with the Royal Irish Academy, an academic institution in Dublin, Ireland's capital. He thinks that on a national level, Ireland's involvement and interest in Afghanistan is limited. This may influence how Ireland engages on the issue.
3: Our engagement um, with Afghanistan um, has always been pretty limited. We did, in fact, send a small number of uh, specialist troops, often experts in bomb disposal, uh, to Afghanistan because of our links with NATO but it was always just a handful of, of troops so we'd nothing like the same investment in Afghanistan you know not just obviously as the US or the UK uh, but even smaller NATO members like like Denmark um, for, for for instance um, and secondly we don't have a very substantial um, Afghan community in Ireland I mean there are some um, but not very many and again the number of citizens, We are still trying to get out of Afghanistan at the moment. The last I heard was off the region of 30-something, 10 or 12 having got out already. So I think we wouldn't pretend to have any particular national expertise in Afghanistan. But I imagine that we will, of course, in discussions both at the UN and also in the European Union, we will be doing what we can to emphasize the values of human rights, women's rights in particular, humanitarian support, etc., But recognizing, of course, that in the current extraordinarily turbulent situation, it's very hard to know how any outsiders, I mean, even an outsider as strong as the United States is going to be able to influence the course of developments over the coming weeks. But I suppose as time goes by, the international community will be faced with having to decide on the nature of its engagement with a new Taliban regime, on the issues which are most important to it, uh, and on the the choices open to it, which may not be very appealing. So I imagine that as time goes by, uh, we will move away from the immediate crisis uh, into these longer term questions.
1: Afghanistan is only one part of Ireland's agenda for September. The country is organizing a discussion on international peace and security with a briefing by some members of the international group called the Elders. That means, of course, the participation of Ireland's Mary Robinson, a former Irish president, a former UN High Commissioner for Human Rights, and an elder.
0: Other signature events will be on peacekeeping with a focus on transition as well as on climate and security. Ireland's foreign minister, Simon Coveney, and Michael Martin, the country's prime minister, or Taoiseach in Irish, will travel to New York to preside over these meetings.
1: Ambassador Biden-Nason is hoping for council outcome documents from the two meetings, though she is aware it may be harder on climate and security than on peacekeeping. She says the stars are aligned in the council on the climate and security debate but Russia and China, to some extent, still have their doubts about discussing the topic in the Council. STARS Are Aligned
2: also reflects our own assessment of the work that we have begun in the Security Council, in the Working Group, where we have a large number of very like-minded countries doing what we all believe is necessary, which is to take case-by-case, country-specific situations, and look at the real-time impacts of climate on the security situation on the ground. And that work has proceeded very well. There's no question that we are all of one mind at the Council, but I think what we need to do is to assist the Council to better grasp the challenges and so our level of ambition is to move the council's consideration forward how we express that remains something obviously a resolution was an ambition by some previous members of the security council An Irish woman always has limitless ambition, so I would not in any way want to undermine our ambition, but we are also realistic, and what we want to do is to be a constructive goodwill player. Both Niger and Ireland have spent a lot of time and political capital in preparing our discussion on the 23rd, and Niger leaves the council at the end of this year, so I'm very optimistic that we will find a way of capturing and indeed expressing... That Security Council interest in climate and security itself.
0: Ireland's presidency coincides with the United Nations General Assembly's annual opening session in a high level week. It's the first one that's planned to take place in person since the beginning of the pandemic. In August, the US mission to the UN, as the host country, circulated a letter to its fellow member states. The letter asks countries to strongly consider sending a pre-recorded video message for the high-level week's speeches instead of attending in person, and to hold side events virtually. Some diplomats saw the letter as a request not to come to New York. But Ireland didn't see it that way, and is planning on sending a small, high-level delegation. I think
2: we read that letter in the spirit in which we are all doing our best locally in our own countries, to manage uh, an unprecedented pandemic. We read the letter as advising us to take all precautions, and I will say that's what we will do. We are a smaller country, so we don't travel with hundreds of politicians and officials we have a, a small but i would say perfectly formed teams who accompany our our ministers and so we will respect absolutely all of the the protocols for covid here it would be sad not to see the united nations have some in person meetings but i fully understand the extent to which there is an effort to reduce the numbers in the building and also to reduce the number of events Uh, So I think that we will be happy to work with the UN authorities and the local host authorities to make sure that we do this in as safe a way as possible.
1: So Ireland will be traveling light for this year's UNGA. And it's leaving behind three core members of its leadership team. Irish President Michael Higgins, who came to New York in 2019, and his two Bernese Mountain Dogs. The dogs are popular on social media because the president has been seen petting his furry friends at press conferences. Unlike in the U.S., where there is a long tradition of presidential pets, Irish presidential dogs are a newer phenomenon. Rory Montgomery gave us the backstory.
3: He moved into Horus Nutrón, the presidential residence, with two Bernese mountain dogs, which are very large dogs which were given then Celtic names, and one of them sadly died a while ago, but has now been replaced by a puppy from the same breed. Funnily enough, I don't associate previous Irish presidents with with pets. It's not like in the White House, where I think every president apart from Trump has had a dog, but certainly the dogs are very popular and much appreciated. And in a way, the pictures and the videos of him playing uh, with the dogs and walking around the estate, it's kept him and them in the public eye to some degree at a time when the sort of public events, which would be the lifeblood normally of the office, have been so much curtailed. These dogs
0: are so important that Higgins told French President Emmanuel Macron during an official meeting in Ireland in August that the older of the two, nine-year-old Brod, is, and I quote, an experienced diplomat.
2: He has one of the most interesting pair of dogs globally because they accompany him very often in his walks in the lovely grounds of our official presidential residence uh, his dog heard the inside story with president macron but he's also been there for other very high level visits and uh our president is beloved and his dogs with him beloved also they're quite the characters in ireland so it's just unfortunate he doesn't travel with them so i don't think we'll ever see them in new york they might bring more to the conversation than some others who knows (laughs)
0: That's it for our show. This episode was co-produced by me, Casey Candela, and Stephanie Filion for PassBlue, an independent women-led media site covering the United Nations and global affairs. Dulcie Leinbach is our editor, AI Digital created our podcast logo, and our music is by Poddington Bear.
1: A lot happens at the UN beyond what we report in each episode of Unscripted, and PassBlue is covering the important news, From women's rights to human rights to Washington's new approach to the U.N. For day-to-day coverage, follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And to subscribe to our newsletter, go to PassBlue.com.
0: PassBlue's in-depth and exclusive stories and this podcast are possible with the support of the Carnegie Corporation of New York, the New School, and listeners like you. To show your support visit PassBlue's website and click Donate.
1: Unscripted is available wherever you find podcasts. If you like today's show, please rate us on iTunes and share with
3: all your friends.